0: Many people awoke this morning in dread, for it is Monday the 13th, as November continues its journey toward December. This is another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to dispel the dread of not knowing about what's happening in local and regional government. I'm Sean Tubbs, incorrectly influenced by the old 2000 AD comics. In today's edition, Abigail Spanberger has announced a bid to be Virginia's next governor, opening up a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. Charlottesville City Council officially supports a lawsuit to block Governor Yunkin's plans to leave the regional greenhouse gas initiative. Charlottesville has begun the process of creating a master plan for the Parks and Recreation Department and a quick check-in with the comprehensive plan update underway in Albemarle County. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, one Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e-bike lending library. E-bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from. Because many e-bikes are sold online, it can be a challenge to try an e-bike before buying one. That's where the Charlottesville e-bike lending library comes in. They are a free, not-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in the area. They have a small collection of e-bikes that are lent out to community members for up to a week for free. You can experience your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even bike your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. You can check out the service at ebikelibraryseville.org. Election 2023 is only six days behind us, though all of the final numbers are still waiting to be certified by the Virginia Board of Elections. More on that in the weeks to come. But as of today, there are 722 days until November 4th, 2025, when the ballots will begin to be counted in the next governor's race in Virginia. There are 358 days until November 5th of 2024, and at least one member of Virginia's delegation in the U.S. House of Representatives will not stand for re-election. Here is a campaign video from Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger. I know how to bring people together and get real things done that improve lives. That's why I'm running for governor. Because when we rise above the chaos and division, we can focus on what matters most to Virginians. Unlike all other states in the nation, Virginia does not allow governors to seek a second consecutive term. So Glenn Youngkin will not be on the ballot in 2025. One potential candidate on the Republican side could be Lt. Gov. Winsome Earl Sears or perhaps a General Jason Mieres. There are a lot of days to follow from now. Spanberger's announcement does open up a vacancy in the 7th District, which includes Greene County and a very small sliver of Albemarle County. So far, the Virginia Public Access Project does not list any candidates. Expect that to change in the days to come. In the 5th District, Republican Bob Good has not yet announced if he will seek a third term. The Virginia Public Access Project also does not list any candidates. Elections in Virginia are an always present thing. The Southern Environmental Law Center filed suit in late summer against the Virginia Air Pollution Control Board and the Department of Environmental Quality to stop the Commonwealth from leaving the regional greenhouse gas initiative. Leaving the interstate compact is a key centerpiece of the administration of Governor Glenn Youngkin. He signed an executive order to do so on his inauguration day. After legislation in the General Assembly to complete the move failed in 2021, Yonkin laid out a pathway to exit Reggie administratively. The Air Pollution Control Board voted 4 to 3 to make the withdrawal this past June. The SCLC lawsuit in Fairfax Circuit Court argues that only the General Assembly has the power to end participation. Oral arguments were held on October 27th, as Charlie Paulin writes, in the Virginia Mercury. On November 6th, Charlottesville City Council voted to support a friend-of-the-court brief in support of SCLC. Here is Crystal Ritterwald, the city's environmental sustainability manager. Virginia joined Reggie through legislation passed by the General Assembly in 2020. REGI is a cooperative, market-based initiative among 11 mid-Atlantic and northeastern states designed to reduce CO2 emissions from the power sector through the sale of pollution allowances. Virginia has received hundreds of millions in dollars from a portion of the proceeds, with 45% required to go to the Community Flood Preparedness Fund. Charlottesville has received several grants through this program. In recognition of the negative effects on local communities should Virginia withdraw from Reggie, several Virginia localities are working together to file a joint amicus brief in support of SELC's lawsuit. Council's vote was unanimous, and I'll have more on the state of the lawsuit in future editions of the program. One of the items that City Manager Sam Sanders has requested during his time in city government has been a master plan for Charlottesville's Parks and Recreation Department. That process has now begun, and the person leading the work is a familiar face to long-term observers of city government. My name is Mike Spetz, uh, Principal with Pros Consulting, uh, Recovering Parks and Recreation Director, and did spend about five years uh, with the uh, City of Charlottesville. In 2005, Pro's Consulting conducted a needs assessment for the city's Parks and Recreation Department, which was very influential in determining lots of different choices for implementation. I'm hoping to find a copy of it if anyone has one. Svets' tenure from 2004 to 2009 coincided with the development of the John Warner Parkway, which, among other things, led to the lease of space in McIntyre Park to the Piedmont Family YMCA for what was to have been a replacement for Crow Pool. Crow Pool is still open on an ad hoc basis. Moving to 2023, the firm LPDA has been hired as a subcontractor. They have been out assessing and inventorying the entire system. Uh, This creates a good foundation to give us an understanding of the current system uh, as it exists today uh, and will be a jumping off point for us as we start to talk about improvements um, for the overall system uh, going forward. The process is just getting started with a series of meetings being planned for the future. As possibly expected, there's a survey to get early input. Tell us your likes, your dislikes, your opportunities for improvement, um, what you like most about the system or a specific park. What would you say in the survey? What do you think? Tell them. Don't tell me. I'm not going to do anything with it. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second subscriber-fueled shout-out, There has been a sudden dip in temperatures, but that doesn't mean you have to stop growing some of your late fall vegetables or prepare for next year. At 2 p.m. on Saturday, November 18th, the Piedmont Master Gardeners and Virginia Cooperative Extension will present Season Extenders in the Edible Garden, a free garden basics class on how to use crop choice, garden layout, and row covers to grow fresh produce into the winter. The class will take place at Trinity Episcopal Church at 1118 Preston Avenue in Charlottesville and will include a hands-on demonstration of how to position and secure row covers. Register at piedmontmastergardeners.org. One more piece today, and this one is not exactly what I thought I'd get, but here's what we got. There are a lot of moving parts with Albemarle County's update of its comprehensive plan and the process known as AC44. At the moment, AC44 is in the second of four phases, and the county is seeking public input through a series of questionnaires, including one for housing. Surveys are also open for economic development, environmental stewardship, parks and recreation, and historic, scenic, and cultural resources. What follows is a primer of sorts for where we are at the moment. The first phase included a review of the county's growth management policy, an update on whether there was enough land in the development area to support anticipated future growth, and to update the plan with new county values adopted since the last comprehensive plan update in June 2015, such as equity and climate action. The county held a virtual meeting on November 6th to provide a chance for people to learn more about the plan and where it stands. Here's Ben Holt, a planner with Albemarle County. During phase one of last year, we created a framework, and we call that a framework for an equitable and resilient community. Uh, This serves as a guide for the rest of the AC44 Comprehensive Plan project. That framework is available for review in a link in the newsletter. Phase 2 is winding down and includes the aforementioned questionnaires. Activity has included reviews of planning toolkits intended to inform discussion of such questions, such as where should the county expect future expansion of the development areas should supervisors decide to go that way. The toolkits are the draft criteria for future development areas expansion, draft activity centers in the development areas, Rural Crossroads Communities, Rural Interstate Interchanges. These are to inform the creation of new goals and objectives, the stuff of any planning document. I would like to say to the podcast listener that I was still hoping to get to the September 6th Board of Supervisors discussion on this because I don't think anybody else has written about it that I know of. Did you write about it? Send me your article. Here's Ben Holt again. Phase three will begin early next year, and that's where we will start drafting the action steps that fall underneath the goals and objectives. Phase four is to finalize and adopt the plan, and that should be late 2024. But Holt said that we're now in step three of phase two, which is to slowly release all of the draft goals and objectives for the plan. In October, the Planning Commission reviewed the Environmental Stewardship, Parks and Recreation, and the Historic Scenic and Cultural Resources chapters, Goals and Objectives. Again, I was unable to review that meeting, but the discussion is available on YouTube. There's a link in the newsletter. Tomorrow night, the Planning Commission will take up the Housing and Economic Development chapters and those goals and objectives of Housing, Economic Development. I think I repeated myself. The Goals and Objectives for the Land Use, Transportation, and Community Facilities chapters will be released in December. A review of results from previous surveys might indicate that participation has been relatively low so far. There were 528 responses to the survey that went out as Step 1 of Phase 2. The trend toward low participation continued in Step 2 of Phase 2. Our questionnaire response was a little bit lower for Step 2 than it was in Step 1, but the, the AC44 website where we share this information still had a lot of uh, visitors. That number is about 5,000. Here are some other numbers. There was a total of 148 responses across the four questionnaires, with 19 responses for activity centers, 52 responses for criteria for development areas expansion, 39 responses for crossroads communities, and 38 responses for rural interstate interchanges. To give you a sense of what those numbers are in comparison... There's about 115,000 people in Albemarle County, and the AC44 process anticipates the Weldon Cooper Center numbers, which will project that up to about 140,000 or so by 2040. I don't know how to get people involved except for to try to report, and that's pretty much what I'm doing. But we're at the end of number 601, another Monday edition, the day when it seems everything is due and it all is due right now. There's no real deadline for this newsletter and I could have taken tonight off, but I do like to be regular and I did want to get some of that stuff out. There is a lot happening and I'm trying to do what I can to spread awareness. This is a reminder that I'm the only person working on this aside from the occasional copy editor and the occasional voiceover work. You should be thankful that I at least edit out the curse words. I'm not going to change that in the future, but I would like to change the fact that I'm doing this all alone, but it's difficult to do the business things when there's so much to write about. However, if you'd like to support the work and increase the likelihood of it continuing into the future, please do consider a paid Substack subscription or a Patreon membership. And of course, as you likely know by now, Ting will match your initial payment should you go through Substack. Thank you very much. Hopefully 602 will be a little bit more cheery... Who knows? Maybe the days of cheer are over. Merry holidays.